0: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that promises not to mention Brexit. Apart from there. Fuck. This week on Heart and Hand, Rangers return to action and get themselves into a very good position in the league. (laughs) Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by uh, two of my buddies from the Patreon site, although you'll know them, they've been here before, but uh, as well as being all around good eggs and uh, top Rangers men, they are also uh, my co-hosts of our Italian football show, No Pirlo, No Party, which uh, if you're a fan of Serie A and watching the way we are, we urge you to go and check out. So first of all, uh, the head of that, Mr Adam Thornton.
2: Good evening, David.
0: And joining to make up the the uh, the Italophile crew, and that's uh, a file that I think is is quite a good thing to be, is Mr. James Forrest. No,
1: not that one. Hello, David. Lovely to speak to you again.
0: Gentlemen, the reason I mentioned right at the start that it puts Rangers in a good position is uh, we can go top. Should we win our match at the weekend? Now, obviously, that's because uh, Celtic will be playing in the League Cup final. Grr, we should be there with them. But we're not. Uh, So we need to look at what we can do. And that's why I think that Saturday's 3-0 victory over Livingston, Adam, was so important. Because we've screwed up situations like this before where we're all excited. We're looking at a goal. And then pretty quickly into it, we screw it up. That's been the case for a few seasons. This is now us beginning to get into our heads okay, it's a long shot but it is a shot.
2: So yeah, I I think I think you're right. I think the, the Livingston game was, was crucial. Um we got the relatively early goal. I think it was 19 the nineteenth or the twentieth minute. But but we we seen that we kind of sit back then, and it was a wee bit cagey. And like you said before, the second goal is key. Now it took us a long while to get it, but the main thing is we got it. Um, and it's another game ticked off. And I think um, yesterday I was I was still bemoaning kind of lack of consistency. But actually, when you look at it, I think Alex made a point to me when you look at it the... The games after the Celtic game, we've had a hell of a lot of wins in there. Um, it's maybe just masked a little bit by the disappointment of the League Cup semi-final and then some, some disappointing games in Europe. So we we probably have been a bit more domestically competitive, uh, consistent than than I had thought. But this next month or two is crucial for them.
0: Yeah, well, seven wins, a draw, and one defeat. Um, the draw against Kilmarnock and the defeat, obviously, at Livingston. Since then, so. It's good, but it says a lot about Rangers James that, as Adam says, there is a perception that that we haven't been doing too well. And I wonder how much of that comes, not from us, uh, the supporters, who I think are generally okay. The, The League Cup was hugely disappointing, we get that, but I think in the media there's this... Whenever any Rangers fan starts to even talk about a challenge, they, you would think that we'd farted into the, the director general of the BBC's soup because they, they, how dare you even think you can possibly challenge our beloved Celtic. It's it's such a weird thing. In any other country, they're desperate for a title race. In Scotland, if one of the clubs says, you know what, we actually, you know, we, we know we're not the favourites, but we fancy ourselves here... Um, we <laughs> we get treated as though we've been incredibly disrespectful.
1: You would think that if there was any footballing country in the world that needed a title race of any sort, it would be us. And yet, how dare we suggest that we could be the team that would that would actually do that? It is a very strange one, but yeah, I mean, the context of that start is very important. Seven wins, a draw, and a defeat. The draw and defeat, of course, were very disappointing the draw coming at home where we've been so much better this season as opposed to last season and the defeat away at Livingston, we shouldn't be losing away there to to be honest with you. Although Livingston are, I think, a a better side than what we maybe thought they would be coming into this season but I'm sure we'll get to that uh, certainly with this game. Um, Yeah, I, I think also Europe plays a part in that because our expectations have risen because we can see what we we are capable of doing in terms of performance. I think our performances, certainly since their turn from the last international break, have been not as good as what we saw before. So maybe there is a, a sense of wanting to see us perform well as well as getting the victory with, with a number of fans too. But um, do you know, we're, we're in a position where you know, uh, Celtic are dropping points as well and it means that we're still we're still in there, we're still kind of within within touching distance, and as you say, you know, this time next week, we could be sitting here, top of the league, they'll, yeah, they'll have a game in hand, but that in itself is just that psychological wee edge of saying, look, we're, we're top of the league, we, we are very capable of, of doing something this season, and um, I apologise if I offend anyone by suggesting as such.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, no, it, it's just a bizarre thing, it's not okay then, you know, that this team still think they're they're good enough to go and win it. It's how dare you even begin to contemplate doing this. And uh, it all goes back to the fact that they they wanted us to be dead and we're not. And uh, they, they are, of course, incredibly worried about 55 because uh, it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to them and uh, roll on it actually happening. So to the match, Adam, um, Rangers made a couple of changes, uh, interesting ones at that. Gareth McCauley came in to play beside Connor Goldson. And even though John Flanagan was fit, Andy Halliday, played at left back before we get to the, the up front change which was Kyle Lafferty for Alfredo Morelos I kind of get the impression that until Barisic gets fit that might well be what the manager sees as his strongest defence at the moment
2: I think definitely if, if Halliday starts on Thursday night I think that's, that's definitely, I would agree with that I still have a sneaking suspicion that he might still think that Flanagan is a, is a better defender, despite him not really showing that for us. I, I have a sneaking suspicion he'll bring Flanagan in on Thursday. He'll definitely um, change the centre-backs, by the way.
0: I'll confidently predict that. There's no way yeah. he won't.
2: No, I think he will. I think we'll see Warrell or Katic, probably Warrell for this one. Katic wasn't even in the squad, which was um, a bit damning, I would say, for for, some, for Saturday's game. But... Um, I I don't know whether I would play Macaulay or not. I'm not sure he can do three in a weekend. I think um, the game at the weekend might be more suited to his uh, skill set.
0: Yeah, definitely. I would. I would agree with that. There's you have you do have to. Man- I don't think you always have to manage players. That- the way the manager thought, I think that forwards certainly but I think defenders can play a lot of games but when somebody's 38 then yeah I think you, you do have to be realistic about that and up front James Alfredo Morelos uh, would would play a pivotal part in the match but started on the bench there had been a few whispers that he was carrying a slight knock and clearly the manager just thought because I I think that if fit Alfredo plays regardless, there's none of this managing him. He's he's fit, he plays. So the gaffer clearly thought all these big games coming up really not worth the risk.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw those training photos. I think it would be a couple of days before the the lovely game where he wasn't present there uh, and that got a couple of people talking, but then he was there for, for the following day just beforehand. So it, there's maybe something in that. I I was half expecting to see Lafferty for for some reason in this game because you know with the way that Livingston play with the three centre backs I thought Lafferty maybe would be brought in as a kind of hold, hold you know a bit of hold up play. Um, I I'm of the opinion as are a few other guys on on the Patreon site that Morellis and Lafferty don't really work that well together at the moment certainly with the system that we like to that we like to play with a four three three it doesn't quite work so. You know, big games coming up. Morales um, also on a booking. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that as well, I'm sure. Um, meaning that you know, if he got another booking, he'd be suspended. So there's maybe a wee bit of thinking behind that. Listen, I think you're right. If he's not, if he's not, um, if he's not fit, even then, you'd probably play because he is such an important player for us, certainly. And. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of got laugh at being in there. I wasn't overly surprised by that. I was maybe a bit more surprised that Gresta didn't start. Um, I know Condéas was back from a suspension. I really liked what Gresta did against Motherwell. I thought he was very, very good. And I actually thought that his style of play might have suited against Livingston a wee bit more than having your two wingers hugging the touchline and Condéas and Middleton doing the crossing. Um, so that was maybe a little bit more surprising for me. But, um you know, Kandias certainly for for Thursday is going to be a very important player for us for sure.
0: Grezda did play, um, was away and did play during the international break, so possibly that was that was the thinking there with with Daniel Candice, who obviously had had missed the previous match through suspension, so maybe to get him back because he will play. I think he's been very good in Europe. I think some of his best performances uh, have come in Europe uh, for us with Daniel Candice. But uh, yeah, and uh, as Adam says, we we took the lead. Uh, through a wonderful delivery by young Glenn Middleton, who I think it's fair to say consistently is, is I think, our best set-piece option because his delivery is really, really excellent and it, it's not just once every so often. It, it He puts more good balls in, Adam, than bad ones, uh, so much so that it fell to probably the smallest person in the stadium at the time uh, who managed to to lose his mark and and then just head in a a really simple goal against a team who are kind of famed for their their set-piece prowess which I think makes it more impressive
2: It was um, it was a very surprising uh, goal yeah certainly when I seen who'd scored I just assumed it was maybe Goldson or something I was up the other end um, in the Copeland for this game and and yeah you're right it was a tremendous ball in like that in between the the penalty spot and and the goalkeeper absolutely no chance and Kandias is not Famed for his ability at all. Never mind his, his height, but he, he took it very, very well. I, I feel like the whole Livingston thing—it's maybe easy to see now. Um, but I feel like it was always a little bit overblown because they beat us, and and even the draw with Celtic, um, that happened a while back. That can always happen if a team has an off day and another team sits in. But they've only won like the the games that they've won this year have been Hamilton, Saint Mirren. I think they beat Dundee, they beat Hibs as well, but. I, they're okay, um, I think teams are now starting to, to figure them out And certainly at home, I wasn't concerned at all um, playing them I didn't think they would have a, much of a hope uh, uh, At their ground, yeah, they're going to be tougher to break down than your Hamiltons, etc But they, they are organised, as as we've said before But they're not particularly massive in the quality stakes for me
0: They could have been one up, <laughs> with all that said
2: yeah. um,
0: After a scramble in the box and uh, the ball fell to the, the Hamilton midfielder he turned shot and hit the outside of the post. But no, I I've I've disagree with you, there, Adam. I thought they carried a set, a set pieces set because their delivery's excellent. And they they are fucking massive. There's no getting away from that. So oh someone pulled me up from a swearing this week. Um apparently for I, I, I Um I, I I don't do it deliberately, folks. It's uh I, it's just I subscribe to the Billy Connolly school of, of thinking, which is that when people say, Oh, it shows a lack in your own vocabulary, well clearly it doesn't, because if you don't use them and I do, that means I use seven words or so. That that you don't. So logically, I have a bigger a b a bigger vocabulary. You see what you see what the thinking is there, lads? I, 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 ag- I would agree with
1: you, yes.
0: Mm. Of course you would, James, that's what you do. That's why you have a spot on here. <laughs> yeah, know your role. But uh, yeah, I I thought Levy actually played quite well for what they were. And people can misunderstand that when I said oh, I thought Levy were quite impressive. I don't think that they played sublime, silky football. I just think if you look at budget, expectation, where they were, and let's be honest here, the level of player that they had. Uh, I'll start with you, Adam, and then I'll come to you, James, because it was Adam's point. but. I, I, Yeah, I, I think that's a decent side I think they're well coached, well drilled They're pretty confident at the moment Now, don't get me wrong I wouldn't particularly want to have a season ticket to watch that type of football But I'm not a big one for this sort of moral way of playing football I just think if you're Livingston And as I say, you've got all those factors Do what you can to maximise points And I, I, I just think that they are the best version of themselves that they can be And that's all you can ask from a football team
2: no, I I totally agree. Sorry, I I wasn't saying that they were playing poor in this game. I think they did really, really well in this game. Um, from the opening hour or so. I thought they were they were good. Um I, I just feel you're you're right, they maximise their um they maximise what they've got in a similar way, I guess, to, to Mullerwell, although significantly less um dirty. They know exactly what they're doing. They're not a team like Hamilton who you can rip apart or or Dundee who don't they pretend they play in a kind of passing style, yeah. but they don't, they don't really, you can just tear them apart. They're, they're organised, um, I just feel when there was chat earlier in the season about, look how good Livy are doing, oh that'll be a tough game, this and that, I feel like it was just a wee bit of a um, bounce, I guess, from their promotion, etc. And, and I don't think there will be a huge challenge, I don't see them getting top six, to be fair, but there's, there's no way they'll get relegated.
0: Now, I uh, am going to do something I don't often do,
2: but uh, I don't
0: have a problem doing it, but it just very rarely does the the need for it to happen occur. And that is that I was wrong, because on our post-match reaction pod, which is done immediately after game, I mean immediately, we, we go outside the stadium, meet up and go to the car to drive back into City Centre. And... I had thought that Ryan Jack hadn't had a good game. I didn't think any of our midfield played particularly well and he was given the sponsors' man of the match and I was a little surprised. And then uh, there was a bit of online debate about it and a lot of people were not know he was our best player. He he was brilliant. I watched the game back and while I I still don't think he was brilliant, I don't think any of our midfield were brilliant, to be honest. Uh, I thought our best players were uh, up front or in defence and I think that Livy had... More of the midfield than I am comfortable with a team of their size having at Ibrox. But he did play very well in the first half, I would say, James. And it's interesting the the difference in what you see when you're at the ground and sometimes where where you're sat at the ground. And then when you watch back on TV and you've got the benefit of replays and overview, etc. It it can be quite a, a different experience.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's right. You've got so many different vantage points, and people can see a game very differently depending on if they're sitting in the Copeland or in the Brunland. Um Yeah, Ryan Jack, I, I was I was slightly surprised when you were talking about him after, and, and felt that he had a poor game. I thought he I thought he was doing very well in the first half. The second half, I think the team as a collective we allowed Livy to play their game more than what I was more than what I was comfortable with, and that went on basically until Morales came on as yes, a sub. It did. Um yeah, and and I think that as a team kinda of, the, the entire performance was kinda of let down by that. But I still think Ryan Jack was doing the job that he does and that role is one that it, it's not it's not headline making. You don't you don't often notice the work that, that he tends to do, I don't think. Um but I still think that he he does a very good job in that kind of holding midfield role always... He's our best option for that position, uh, I would say. And it's interesting, going into this game, uh, I thought that that midfield three, based off the Motherwell game, I actually thought that was our strongest midfield Um, at, at, at the current moment. You've got Arfield with the kind of box-to-box play, the industry, Ajari has got a bit of flair about him, he's that... he's. He's what we're using as that kind of number ten position at the moment. Um, I'd maybe revise that now based on based on that second half, or or indeed that whole game. field can be slightly hot and cold, even though he he does play an important role in the team and and is producing both goals and assists. Is doing is doing a good job, but sometimes it's one of those things where he's just maybe a couple of inches away from playing the the ideal pass and stuff like that. And Ajaria. Again, it's a wee bit, you know, when he's good, he's really, really good, but he can sometimes go missing in games as well, so the midfield is a, is a tricky one, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with what people were, were saying in the thread post-match that... Ryan Jack was maybe a bit better than what you you would initially anticipated in the post match.
0: No, yeah, and they were right. Yes, I was, I was wrong. Happy to admit that. I think what happened is in the second half, uh, Adam Ajaria completely disappeared. And I uh, and I like Ajaria, I think he's a good player, and I think he's done well for his own occasions. But he he does, as James says, sometimes of games like this. And he was completely anonymous. He wasn't even doing that thing he's very good at, where he you know he wins a lot of the ball back, and he wasn't doing that. And I think then that I got upset with the midfield collectively. Um, and I think maybe lumped Jack in there. So, no, I, I think he did do better than I had thought. Uh, he had a few his passing, I think they'd stuck in my mind. But that's the joy of, of watching the game back, of course. But Ajaria is actually a good point because I have friends who don't rate him at all. And I, I think he's a very talented player. I think he's good. But their point is he doesn't do enough and by that what they mean is he's neat and tidy he does win the ball quite well but he's got two goals and one assist and he is our attacking midfielder he is our creative midfielder and they're right if I'm being honest with myself even though I'm f- I'm fond of him and I think he's going to turn into a cracking player it's it's kind of hard to argue there are games where you're like well you know did he play any crucial passes did he make it you know did he was he shooting was he a, a threat and there are quite a few games where, no, no, he was neat and tidy, but that was about it. And there are times that's needed. It's been useful in Europe in particular. But there are other times where you just wish we had somebody that, that was putting opposition sides under a wee bit more pressure defensively.
2: Yeah. Um, just to, I guess, the midfield as as a whole. We'll talk, I'll talk about Ajaria first. But yeah, I, I think you're right. There was only only one particular instance in the game that I remember where he managed to get back and, and retrieve the ball um in that kind of way that he does, but there wasn't much else. If He is neat and tidy, he, he offers a, a decent footwork, he, he does the unorthodox pass and gets things moving, not yesterday, but but in general. um Yeah, I, I, I think he is, for me, he's first off the bench, if you like, um if you need to change a game or, or you want to even take this thing out of game by, by keeping the ball, I, I don't think he is... We, we need to discuss the midfield, if anybody who, who listens to Tactics Talk will know that I, I bang on about it all the time. For me, it's the, it's the weakest part of the team. Um, I kind of agreed with, I agree with you, your, your assessment of Jack yesterday, I probably agreed with yesterday in terms of the overall context. I thought he was better yesterday than, than he's been before. I just don't think in these type of games we need a player like Ryan Jack on the park. Um, he... he not in this game yesterday, as I said. But overall this season, I feel like he slows the ball. He slows the game down needlessly. If we've got someone in there like like a McQuarrie or Koulibaly, if if he was back on form, sitting in there at the base, I feel like that's better for us to drive forward and beat teams when we have Jack in there or also Koulibaly and Jack in there. I feel like unless that's away to Celtic or away in Europe or or away to Aberdeen, say, where we're expecting to do. A bit more defending. I feel like that works in those games, but games where we need to take control and get forward and dominate play, Jack doesn't really fit into that for me. Um, I respect the water carrier part of it. I think there's absolutely a role. I think he's been magnificent in games like Maribor at home, Um, one of the away European games as well. He was, he was terrific, and generally, he is a good player. But for me, I just think we need to be a bit more dynamic in there. We need. I said at the start of the season, I think we've got a lot of midfield players in terms of numbers. We had a lot that were similar. Um, Ejaria offers a bit of creativity, but really we need someone who is the player that we think Ejaria might be in two or three years, uh, consistently able to dominate games. He doesn't dominate games fully. Um... Arfield, I guess, to round out that three, for me, would always play. Yeah, Um,
0: Arfield, though, I think a slight misunderstanding, um, just a phrase James used, and James, I'm not having a goal because I've used it myself, but he's not box-to-box. He's an attacking midfielder. He's a late run into the box. He's a getting-on-the-end-of-the-thing midfielder. Whereas I, like you, thought maybe he was box-to-box, but he doesn't really look comfortable, I think, back there. But in terms of what he contributes... Goals, assists, danger—huge, huge player.
2: That—that's why I mean, he does. There's, there's no doubt, as James said, he does blow a little hot and cold. Yes, in this right. game, in this game is a classic example. He, he didn't really turn up until Morelos came on, which I don't know what we're going to come on to, but that dynamic is really, really interesting. You can see how much he enjoys playing with him. But um, five goals, four assists for Arfield in the league so far. Um, it's it's been a long time since i have had a player who can get behind getting ahead of the striker and, and finish goals like we've seen with the third um yesterday so uh, i'd be looking to bring in two more players in there if if we can someone who gives us a bit of a complete midfield player box to box wise and someone who can offer us a bit of creativity i'm not i'm not really talking about a, a number 10 in in the traditional sense of like a trick artist or something I'm, I'm talking about someone who can play a pass and can see a decent pass still has some defensive um power as well. They're not easy to come by, but I think that really is the priority for me. Um, I know people are talking about strikers for the summer and or January and, and we need another striker, we need this, we need that. I, I think we need one definitely, but two starting centre mids for me to, to try and share the burden a little bit.
0: I am going to now wax lyrical about a Rangers player and enjoy doing so. So um, if you Hear me, it sounds as like I'm getting further away, it's just my table's going up and the microphone's getting <coughs> pushed further away because... <laughs> Firstly, I think a, a, a wee bit of defensive a player and that's Kyle Lafferty who I saw getting a lot of criticism. I thought he did okay and watching the game back, I still think he did okay. I saw he got a lot of criticism and I can understand why because his decision making at times was pretty poor. There were a few passes that went astray. should have scored in the first half and didn't but remember this is his first start in forever and I thought coming back he'd been injured of course I I thought it was an okay shift wasn't great but I didn't think he was terrible but that just leads up to when Alfredo Morelos did come on my goodness the change was immediate and not just in terms of up front Adam touched on it there James the whole team got better and I thought Livy had by far by far the the better of the opening 15 minutes of the second half and then they didn't and you know Alfredo Morelos was brilliant when he came on but it's not just about what he can do in that area of the field, it's everything he's available for a pass, he works the defenders, they sit back a bit, they they can't go forward as much because they know he's on, some of the first touch balls round the corner to the wingers he played were tremendous and then it was topped off by a goal that It's just a completely different level of striker from even the one he was at the start of the season because when he got the ball out in the wing and started cutting inside, I said, I was sitting with Martin, I said, he's going to score. Martin went, yep. And speaking to people afterwards, that's what what you heard. They were like, I knew he was going to score. He just carries himself now and is that that player. I I think he's growing, because I don't think he's finished yet, but I think he's growing into a genuinely top-class striker.
1: Yes, totally. Um, it was funny, as well as the team getting a lift when he comes on, I think the whole stadium uh, got a lift as well. I think the fans were really excited because they knew that they needed something. We, we needed something a bit different now. We needed something, you know, Lafferty. I agree with you, incidentally, that I thought Lafferty did did a fine job. It wasn't, it wasn't brilliant. He was maybe lacking in terms of the, the, the actual striking department, but his hold-up play was fine, and I think that was possibly the job that he was he was being asked to do um, and I think his criticisms that he's been getting is more down to how much of an impact Morelos makes when he comes on there were people looking at it and almost comparing it yeah which is maybe a bit unfair that's but, a fair point um,
0: I think the problem that Kyle Lafferty had is and people say well you know he didn't do this he didn't do that The problem is he's, he's not as good as Alfredo Morelos it's that simple that is not going to change
1: yeah, completely. And you're right. I, I love the way that Morales can play those balls out to the wingers just so easily. He's very comfortable on either foot as well. Like his passing ways left and right is you know, just, just as good as each other. And it's his strength, his, his lower body strength as well. Whenever he's got whenever he's got his back to go and he's got the ball and the defenders trying to try to get in, the defender's never gonna get there. He's such a strong, strong lad. And to top it off, the goal, you know, is good pace, cutting inside. I honestly think I, he's hes growing into a player that's got the complete package. He's got 16 goals for the season. He is looking a much more confident, you know, player and person in himself. Steven Gerrard is doing wonders with him as well, I think. And... I'm really, really excited about what we could see from him, you know you know for the rest of this season, and it's funny this time last year when there was this talk of China and the bids of like eight million and some people were looking at it and kind of going say what eight million i wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily want to want, want to sniff at that, see if we were offered double that now from a from a Chinese club or whoever. I don't know if I would take it because I think he's that important to us, and I think he is. I am I'm really excited to see what he can do do for us and I think that he is vital to our prospects this season for sure.
0: Adam, do you want to pull up a chair and start rubbing your headlamp or do you disagree?
2: No, I completely agree. Uh ten goals in his last twelve games. Um he started the season very well. We we've seen that. Um if we think back that far compared to how badly he finished it last season. He started very well. Maybe had a slight don't even think he did have a dip, but around about the kind of Celtic Ufa type period, he, he was a little quiet. Since the St. Johnson game at Ibrooks, that's yeah, 10 goals in, in the last 12 games, countless assists. I don't have them in my hand. I tweeted them out a couple of weeks ago, yeah. it's probably doubled by, by now. And like and, you said. And it,
0: 15 ruled out have, offside un, unfairly.
2: Exactly, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, it, it's like you said, I mean, I, I I want to I want to talk about Lafferty a little bit actually in conjunction with Morelos because I, I think. I have seen a bit of criticism and and it's a bit harsh. Yesterday he battled Livingston, really, the defenders. He he, he didn't it wasn't a Mark Hatley performance, but he kept them going, he he let them know he was there, he linked up a little bit, he wasn't great at it, he never really fashioned that many chances. Um but he did a job. He he got them he got them tired and then you can just imagine everybody getting a lift and the players who would not have got a lift from Morelos coming on would have been the Levy Center half, yeah. I think. I've just had to chase Lafferty about for an hour and now I've got this to deal with and um, there was a start I seen, I it was quite a pointless stat, on, I think it was on Twitter saying oh, well, any game that Lafferty started we not won and I did a wee bit of digging on it yesterday because I thought oh really that's, that's weird, there can't be that many, it's, it's only four games, one of which is Celtic away which I don't think we're, we're blaming Lafferty for is not winning. No. Um, one of the other ones is Muller away, where he scored two goals and we conceded three so again it's not really his fault Villary Alloway where he also scored and it was a draw um, and then one which he probably could be slightly culpable in was the Livingston reverse fixture so he's fine I've seen some criticism he's not played in the last two months he's he's barely played so it's, it's one of those ones where some sometimes people go out the team and and people think they're a lot better. However, because Morelos is playing so well, in a way it's devaluing Lafferty a little bit too, which is which is kind of bizarre. But yeah, on on Morelos, I, I agree with James. I, I think he um anything under fifteen million just now is just is just silly because there's there's too many risks. Um, especially if we get through December and we're I believe we should be ahead going into the um certainly going into the winter break. I think we should we should hopefully be. Clearing the league, if we are, that's a fantastic uh, first four months or so. If we're at that position there, I wouldn't be selling them for anywhere near that amount of money, given that we'd have to bring someone else in and all the the risks that come with that.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, you're you're seeing what's happened now that you've bedded in somebody. A, you've found somebody with this level of talent, but B, you've bedded them in and you start to to improve them. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's if you're gonna sell them, just as you're about to to pay out <laughs> so to yeah. speak it's got to be for stupid money it, it can't not be um, but no he, he is excellent and he sets up Scott Arfield for the third lovely finish incidentally from Arfield and a a good solid victory um, uh, look I, I as I'm sure a lot of people of my eyes do like to occasionally watch the old nine in a row DVDs or DVDs of the 2000s league triumphs and there are a lot of games like this where you're at home you don't play well, you don't play badly, but you you win 2-0, you know, 3-1, whatever. These are important results because you can't win 7-1 every week. We get that. What you have to do is when you're not playing at your best, you can win comfortably. And then when you're not playing well, you can gut it out. And that's kind of what we did yesterday and I was pleased with that. But, um, another wee word, Adam, for uh, a player who I thought has impressed in all the minutes we've seen him so far, and that's Gareth Macaulay, who strolled it yesterday against a big physical side who, you know, wanted to make their mark, and he was so calm, and I think he spread that calmness throughout the defence.
2: He absolutely did. Um, He, when you think of Gareth Macaulay... You you hope that that's the player that's that's going to come, that the one that you've seen at West Brom. You hope he's not showing a decline. Um, and he looks a bit old and and past it. He certainly didn't at all. He he was flawless. Um, playing on the other side, which was, which was interesting. That's the first time Goldson's played on the left side of of the centre halves. But um, they didn't really bother it, and it was quite interesting. It's it's almost making me think of Goldson another way because we've we've kind of been thinking of Goldson as the the almost elder statesman of that defence when they've got Katic and, and Worrell next to him and now Goldson's only 25 and he's probably played just about the same amount of football as a, as a Katic or Worrell when you think of his, his injury problems but Macaulay coming in there you kind of see Goldson in another way and you think God, I thought Goldson was quite a, a, the dominant leader but Macaulay coming in there is like the kind of old um, battle-hardened warrior that, that's kind of almost talking him through games a little bit mm. in, in certain respects I'm seeing so that dynamic's quite interesting James,
0: we were over uh, doing a live show in uh, County Down the uh, last weekend. And thank you to everyone from the County Down RSE for treating us so well. We had a fantastic time, thoroughly enjoyed it. But one of the things we were commenting on was pretty much every bear we spoke to raved about Macaulay. Now, obviously, they're Northern Irish uh, and uh, that they are going to be um, you know, proud of them. But none of them... They, they they didn't just do it automatically. Like, for instance, it wasn't universal on Lafferty, was it? But all of them said to us, "We were going, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's he's come in, He'll be cover or whatever." They were no, play him. No, he's going to play. And it was just quite. We were all slightly taken aback by the vehemence of no, no, no. Don't don't just look at his age. Look past that. He is still capable of doing a very good job for us. Um, and so far the evidence seems to back them up.
1: Yeah, I was I was gonna say you can't you can't really say that um they're wrong at this stage because yeah, I'm I'm really, really pleased with the way McCauley's come into the team you know, both both that second half against Motherwell and the full ninety against Livingston I've been I've been thoroughly impressed by just the calmness that he brings to the situation and he's not he's not one that overly takes risks or tries to play the fancy stuff. It's nice simple defending, play to the full-back, get back into position, reorganise things. And to have someone in there who, and th- this is a point that you've made as well, that you know, he came into football a bit later than maybe other footballers do. So, yes, you look at his age and say 38, but you wouldn't necessarily say that that, that reflects, you know, this isn't someone that's been playing since he's been 18, this isn't his 20th season of professional football well, or anything yeah. like that. May was know, he's clock, still yeah. maybe got... What was
0: that? Miles on the clock, yeah. It's the difference between we sometimes look at stuff chronologically, whereas if you look mm-hmm. at someone like Wayne Rooney, who's much younger than Gareth McAuley, but there's a lot more miles on that clock.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that, and for a central defender, it is easier to go on that wee bit further as well. See David Weir as a as an example. Um, so no, I'm 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 very very pleased to, to have him in the squad. I think he's. You know, he is certainly an absolute starter for me now. Although I do kind of agree with what was said as well in terms of from a European point of view, I'm maybe, I'm maybe expected to see a Warhol come in, in his place, and and I'm okay with that because I would, I, you know, as much as as much as I'm really enjoying the European run and whatnot, and I've been thoroughly impressed by what we've been doing. I would rather save him for the domestic games because I think his style of defending is suitable, is much more suitable to. Uh, you know the Scottish game than maybe a European game where you've got a different style of attack to to deal with so I would be more comfortable having maybe a Worrell and Goldson in there but for domestic Macaulay every single time and you're absolutely right with what you were saying about you know folk in Northern Ireland and I'd like to echo that sentiments thank you all very much for coming along those who came um yeah they're, they're, they were much more excited about Macaulay than they were about Lafferty You really would have thought it would have been the other way But I think it just shows you you know, As someone who's played consistently in the Premier League For what he has done with yeah. West Brom We've got to bear that in mind when we think about Macaulay The experience that he has and the level that he's played at for so long is That could be really invaluable for us
0: Yes absolutely Adam, Alfredo Morelos uh, picked up a booking ...towards the end of the match... ...after he'd pretty much settled the match... ...and... ...afterwards... ...Steven Gerrard was asked... ...about it... ...and... ...I'll be honest... ...I thought... ...that the booking was a bit of a joke... ...um... sadly not the first time... ...we've seen something like that... ...but... Uh, ...Alfie gets clipped... ...by a Levy player... ...as he's running past him... ...um... ...turns to the ref... ...to say... ...what happened... ...did you see that... ...the ref calls them both over... ...for a word... ...Alfie throws his arm up... ...um... ...and walks away... ...the ref calls him back over. Alfie throws his arm up again the ref books him and Stephen Gerrard when asked about it reacted a bit different to the way he you would have expected and the way he's done in the past where he said no complaints that's him suspended against Dundee now Alfie as we all know was one booking away from a suspension and given that it's Scotland and you know we'll be honest given the way he plays he was probably going to pick up another booking this is not the worst game for him to miss um, I don't think he did it deliberately because as people have said, when he scored, he could have just taken off his shot or ran into the crowd. He didn't do that, but I think it was more a case of Stephen Gerrard wasn't exactly gutted that he wasn't going to miss a bigger match.
2: Yeah, I think we'll we'll chalk it down to a happy coincidence. Um, I think you're right. I don't think, uh, I don't think Morelos um was intentionally trying to get booked at that point. Um I thought it was just it was petulant again, um and that's I don't know how many times it is he's been booked for dissent. But looking at it, yeah, wider picture, um if he's out for it, it could have been um I, I, look,
0: I'm I'm gonna defend him a bit here and I've banged on earlier in the season about his petulance and I will do when I think he's it and he does need to learn, right? All of those caveats in play for it. But He gets booked when other players wouldn't, it's that simple, for the same thing, because referees have bought into this, he's a hothead shite, and it becomes a vicious circle, he gets picked on, he gets frustrated for getting picked on, he then acts out, I've got sympathy for the guy because refs have a word with players when they act like that, but with him they go straight to the card, and he does get refereed differently, it's that simple.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. He completely does, um, I, and it's one of those things you don't want to, you don't want to blunt um, his abrasiveness or his or his competitive streak. And if if you say to him, like, don't react and, and don't play with as much passion and intensity, you don't know what you're going to lose. So, in a way, I guess you just need to try and manage it um, and make sure that he's not going way over the top as he potentially has done in the past Um, I, I've got no problem with him picking up the bookings like that if if he misses those those less important games it's maybe when it's a, a silly booking that, that causes him to miss the semi-final for example it's where I think just try and you, you know you're a marked man at least be aware of that and there's no need really to show dissent twice in a minute, especially as we said, when he when he is a map man and referees are, are a little bit less lenient on him than he would be with, with other players
0: James, there was an interesting stat posted on followfollow.com at the weekend suggesting that um, in our last seven matches Rangers have picked up ten yellow cards, Celtic have picked up two, and in fact for the season, Celtic have picked up um by far the lowest they picked up ten all season. Um the next highest is eighteen compared to us on twenty seven. Uh this is just a coincidence, right? And you know, I'm I'm clearly just uh paranoid.
1: Oh clearly, yeah, aye. Um it's just it's just one of those stupid, stupid things about referees in this country that it's it's so weird that it doesn't seem to just be the press that seem to you know Celtic seems to have wrapped around their little finger. It's it's refereeing as well. It, you know we are we are refereed to a dis- different standard. See Willie Collum, Daniel Candia's stupid fucking nonsense uh, as an example. Sorry, I swear there as well. To apologise, um, but I know it's it's such a. It's such a telling stat that, and you know, when people say, "Oh, you're just paranoid," well, look at the facts; they, they are the facts. And and if you look at all the bookings that are there, and you look at some of the challenges that some Celtic players have put in, and they've not been booked, there's no, there's no correlation there. There's no, you, you, we're not refereed to the same standard, and I, and I don't think it's just Celtic that are treated that are treated much better than everyone else, even though they, frankly, are. But we are treated a lot worse than probably every other every other team in the country. And, you know, we do have shit refs, but there does come a point where you kind of go, right, seriously, come on to fuck, what's going on here?
0: Adam, we turn now to Thursday night, and again, a common sentiment, and one I can understand, and probably logically, as I'm sitting here now, can, can actually agree with, is, look, Europe's We've we overperformed in it already. It's the lowest of the priorities remaining. So, let's just box clever. But then I know that from tomorrow, I can't wait to go there. It's a massive Europa League tag against Villarreal, you know, top Spanish side, at Ibrox, a sold-out Ibrox. And, and, if we win, we've got a really good chance of getting out of the group stages of the Europa League. So, am I wrong to be thinking... Like okay yes I, I want to win the league etc etc but fuck me I want to have a go at this
2: yeah absolutely um, it, the whole I'll kind of be a little bit relieved when either we, we get through or, or we go out in a way that we don't need to keep changing our minds in terms of what's the priority and what's this, it's, it's, I'm just enjoying having great games to, to go and see Um, in, in every competition. I prefer just to take one game at a time, see what happens, play our, our strongest team um, in these games. Like you said, David, a win here puts us on eight points, Um, Villarreal will be on six, and depending on how the Moscow rapid game goes as well, we could potentially need to go to Vienna and a draw will do us. Um, it's a brilliant achievement. Um, slightly sour taste in my mouth of only picking up one point out of six from from Spartak, but I've I've begun to let that go. I think we could just about be home and hosed if we had um a couple of little things in either of those games that went, um, went our way. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't see it as oh we better rest players for the weekend if we're we're playing Villarreal. It's not as important. I think we go and we play. Um, if we go out, we go out. But I I think we owe it to ourselves. We've wanted to get back to the big the big time for six or seven years it would be a shame if we took this game slightly less seriously on the basis that we want to protect ourselves for future games that we might not even win anyway yeah.
0: that's the thing if there was any guarantee if you could say yeah. right yeah we we'll, but you can't and you can just be left with nothing so know that always give up your best and, and see what happens James you on uh, our site which is uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand you're involved in the La Liga show um, Esco Inferno and it's safe to say there you, you know a bit about sorry you do know a bit about uh, Spanish football and it's safe to say that Villarreal are not having their best year
1: No they are having a bit of a shitter I think it's fair to say they have they have a manager that doesn't seem to click with the squad an ex-player Caifa, uh, who was part of the Villarreal squad when we last met Real in the Champions League all those years back. Um, they have talented players. Santi Cazorla is is one that many people will, will know, of course. And you know they have exciting strikers such as Gerard Moreno and Toko Akambe Carlos Baca as well. Although he may be injured, um, he said he could be a fitness doubt for the game on Thursday. Um, their issue, I think, is at the back. They don't really have any defenders that overly scare me in the defensive sense. They have decent fullbacks, Mario Gaspar and Pedraza in particular, is a couple of players that I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite fond of from a fullback point of view. But the sense defenders are not that great. And I think they are, you know, on our night at Ibrox when we're playing like we know we can in these stages, I'm quite confident we could get a result. Um, I would say that we need to watch their Nigerian winger, he is He's having a bit of a big breakthrough season. He likes to cut in off the right onto his left foot and will probably have a shot. So he's one to keep an eye on from, from that point of view. But um, no, I, I think you know they are in a bit of a rut. Uh, as we're recording, they've just kicked off against Real Betis. That will be one to keep an eye on. If Villarreal can get a result, they may be on a bit of a high going into this game. So we need to watch that. If they lose... It's not impossible that there could be yet another managerial change before uh, a team plays. Irish which would be three for three, which must be some kind of record mm. in European competition. So that would be that would be one to keep an eye on. I'll be interested to see how that game goes. But no, I'm I'm quite confident if we if we play at our best, I'm quite confident we could get a result, and I think that puts us in a very strong position for for qualifying because. The other game, Spartak and Rapid Vienna, that could go anyway, uh, I, I think. And I'm maybe kind of hoping for a, a rapid win there because maybe a draw between the two of us in the last game might be enough for us to both go through. So that would be an all right situation.
0: Yeah, that would definitely suit us. OK, folks, that's pretty much it for this week on the Rangers side of things. But there is just time before we go to give out our weekly award, uh, the Total Hartson Award. And that's when we look round the world of... Well, football, but but all sport, but mostly football and see who has done something just so unbelievably stupid, something so moronic that it could have came from the mind of uh, the former Wales and Celtic striker, John Hartson. So, Adam, if you'd like to kick us off.
2: Sure. So, as um, I'm sure some of the listeners know, myself, James, and David do also do an Italian podcast on on Patreon on Heart and Hand site, which is called No Pirlo, No Party, where we look at all the games and various talking points from Serie A. So, one thing I wanted to mention, which relates to this, it's, it's David. It's not quite in the GGB Cali stakes, but it's, it's one of the examples of of crazy um, Italian ownership and and sacking. We, like so, we always like that. We always like that. I've got one, General President Enrique Preziosi. Um, first of all, this um, the article that I found on this starts with, believe me, I'm not crazy, which, as we all know, is what a crazy person would say. Correct. Um, his manager at the moment um, is a guy called Ivan Juric. Um, and that in itself, he's, he's pretty much close to the sack, I would say. Um, he got hired last month. Six weeks ago, the, the manager that he replaced, Davide Bellardini, had had an excellent start to the season. Genoa were, were flying quite high. He replaced him because he didn't really like him. He said, it's not really about me, but I don't like him and the players don't like him. I'm replacing him. He brought in Ivan Juric. A little bit strange. Um, they haven't won a game since, pretty much, and have plummeted. So he's now being sacked. Um, but the interesting thing about this is it's not the first time he's done it. Um Ivan Djuric was first appointed by Genoa on June the 28th, 2016. Uh, he lasted until February 19th, 2017. Was replaced by a guy called Andrea Madernline, um, who was then sacked within six weeks and replaced by Ivan Djuric. <laughs> um, he then comes in from April 10th, 2017 through to November 2017, was sacked and was replaced by Davadi Ballardini, who then, as I mentioned, was then sacked and Ivan Juric has come in for the third time. So I know that Italy is a bit strange but for me being sacked three times in 18 months um, is, is really going to go somewhere and I cannot see that he's going to come back from it again surely to God they will not hire him again and why would he accept it um, so that's one for me um, to kind of show how crazy uh, Italian football is
0: that's what I was going to say is that you know the 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 Acid House the Irvin Welsh short stories book that got made into a movie there's a, a one called a soft touch, yeah, and that's Ivan Juric. He's the soft touch of football management. I, again, though, it's it, look. This happens in Italy. Culturally, to us, it's really weird, but in Italy, th- they do this. But if you sacked a guy three months ago, why is he right now? <laughs> you know? What's he got that's changed in those three months? it's just an odd one but it it happens quite a lot but I love the idea of a club chairman going I just don't like him you know he's doing well but fuck him Um, yeah I I like that I would that's how I would think I'd like to run my business James you are going to take us to a talking point I'm sure all the listeners will have noted over the weekend and in fact like me and you and Adam could have been all looking forward to watching the match It's it's been postponed it's been postponed it's been postponed it'll be tomorrow it's been postponed it's been postponed it's been postponed we don't know when it's going to be yeah it was it
1: was bad enough when it was when the first leg was postponed due to rain yeah this uh, is uh,
0: for those who don't know this is the Copa Libertadores final between River Plate and Boca Juniors a very famous rivalry and of course um, being sad football geeks, we were all looking forward to watching it. The first, as James said, was called off due to rain, which can happen, you know. But then this one got a bit out of hand, Jamesy.
1: Oh, yes. Um, the Boca Juniors bus was severely attacked with um, by River fans. Stones thrown, glass broken. The bus had to kind of race into the stadium quick as anything. Um, a lot of Boca players had suffered cuts, as a result, really injured. The police were like pepper spraying um, River Plate fans who were trying to get at the players. But because of the wind, the pepper spray then kind of blew back and would get into the Boca Junior players' faces. Um, it was it was all just a bit of a uh, calamity. Now. What Conmebol, South America's version of of UEFA, did was they sent some doctors into the dressing room for Boca to assess the players. And what they found was that several players had suffered abrasions, indeed two had suffered corneal abrasions, as in cuts to the eye, which meant that they would have to go to hospital. However, considering this and what the literal translation of their findings was, due to the situation... We consider that from the medical point of view, there is no cause for the suspension of the meeting. Hmm. In other words, grow up and play the fucking game. Which seems a bit harsh when you've got guys that are basically going to, their depth perception is going to be fucked. Yeah, they're bleeding
0: from the eye. eye, Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, uh, Um, a little
1: harsh. And the trauma of dealing with what they had to deal with. So rather than a heart sin of the week, I want to nominate some heart sins. And they are Dr. Isvaldo Pangrazio, Dr. Francisco Matthew, Dr. Jorge Pagura and Dr. Jose Veloso, who I'm sure are all-season ticket holders at River Plate.
0: Yes, um, it makes me laugh when we go on over here and just this week there's been more of it from... uh, professional talking vagina, Davy Provin, about, oh, the old fun game, it's so violent. I, no, it fucking isn't. Right? I mean, we like to build it up in our mind. And there is some nasty singing at it. You cannot deny that. And some people get called names from a, a distance of 200 yards with 400 cops in between them. No one can deny that. But this idea that it's somehow you know, like a, a recreation of, of the streets of Belfast in 1979 is so out of kilter with the actuality of it, and I just, you know, these rivalries, uh, Rome Derby's the same, you know, there, there are derbies all in the world that are genuinely um violent, Feyenoord acts I know, not, not local, but still, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with James's, um, just because it's, it's the more topical people, but uh, a close run thing, Adam. But uh, congratulations, James, your your doctor's win the Total Hearts and of this week uh, award.
2: Okay, folks. can you imagine? Can you imagine the the fits that Sky would be having if that was, uh, that, was <laughs> if that was? I think. Game?
0: Well, then no, that's I think why they were wanting it to go ahead because basically a TV company was saying get this game on. um you and know. imagine it was Italy They'd be like I don't care if Italy played. they'd this have played it, it. Yeah that, that's one thing uh, is, is, As Adam says We're all sad Serie A fanboys We love it And we were talking about How in Italy There's very rarely A, a postponement of a top division game Because For weather If it's on TV Now You'll get other games called off But if it's on TV You'll see some Every season You'll see some Ludicrous weather conditions And it's because If, if it's on TV You're playing And they don't care They've set aside two hours and by God, a football match is going to fill it. So uh, I wonder if there's a a a shot of that going on as well. Okay, folks, that's pretty much everything from us this week. Uh, just a few things to remind you before we go. First of all, is our subscription site on Patreon, we've, we've told you about a little bit of the content that's available on there, it really is worth it, there is so much content on that for just £1.99 per month, you will love it, and if you miss the old school heart and hand, then myself and Scott are there on the um, at the David and Scott show, and uh, you'll be able to join us for that, so go and have a look at that, and also, Christmas is coming, and Tat... You need tax, you've got to buy some shite to give to people. Why not buy some heart and hand shite? You can get t-shirts, you can get mugs. Actually, I'm, I'm doing this down, the mugs are great, Adam, aren't they?
2: They're terrific, yeah, and they're also, everything is 25% off at the moment. Not that we're, uh, not that we're trying to capitalise on Black Friday yeah.
0: Oh, hey, oh, hey, I don't remember authorising that. That was Colin. Colin's did, idea. Did, they, you don't get, fucking taking blue pounds out of my pocket. Yeah, it was Colin. It was all Colin. I'm not fucking doing this because I enjoy it, you know. <laughs> uh, um, but yes, if you go to heartland.co.uk, um you'll be able to buy a lot of Heartland merch. Please do it. It's, it's pretty good quality. Shite. Sh- sh- I mean, it is shite. I mean, it's useless. You don't need it complete waste of time but that's Christmas um, what are you going to do honestly do, do you really want to get people fucking gloves and scarves and shit like that no no don't don't give the money to Marks and Spencers give it to me um, I'll reinvest it in the Stalking, club
1: stocking fillers stocking fillers yes yeah,
0: yeah, stocking fillers absolutely um, some some top range shit for you to buy uh, don't worry once we get my Ashley gone I'll stop selling this passion. and you can go to the club shop but till then Come and visit me. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening. Just time to thank my Executive Producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles and my wonderful guest, the lovely Mr. Adam Thornton. Cheers, guys. The sexy Mr. James Forrest. Thanks very much. And We'll be back on uh, next Monday. We won't be back on Friday. We'll do a double up because we're obviously playing on Thursday. Uh, There's no Heart and Hand extra this week, but we'll be back next Monday with a bumper episode. Until then, take care. Thanks, bye.